With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And here we go. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy Blake Guitar. Jeff. It's a great day, but thanks for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thanks very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast, coast to coast and boulder to boulder on the tune iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course a brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the app store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news, programming information all available on our fantastic app. We'll be talking to Jay Izzo at the bottom of the broadcast here about social media. Lots of stuff going on today. Get a hold of us on JiggyJaguar.com. And that is that. Welcome to the iHeartRadio presentation. Also, AMFM247.com. AMFM247.com. I have literally been talking, I think, nonstop for frickin most of the frickin' day here. Ugh. My voice is never going to get better. It's just not going to happen. It might... Uh, who, who knows when it might get better? I don't know. Um, uh, who knows? Lots of things going on. And, uh, in fact, we're going to do this. We are going to go to an interview that we did fairly recently with George Green on radio. Good the other day, and I'm still good. (laughs) Well, Irwin got a hold of me the other day, and he's like, we need to get George on. And so I wanted to have you on, and I wanted to talk about radio today because we we talked about your books a little bit, and we're going to talk about your books uh, today as well. But I wanted to get you on today to talk about radio because you pretty much are the man who's been called the father of talk radio. You simply are just the guy. And I had a uh, I had a very pleasant, uh, probably about an hour conversation with you uh, last week about uh, about radio and hiring and all these things. And I wanted to get you on the phone today to talk about radio, whether it was radio when when you were out there at KABC or even radio that we have now. Um, first of all, uh, let's start there. What is one of the many changes uh, from the time of when you were the president of KABC Radio in Los Angeles, where you spent about 38 years broadcasting at the station, which was the first all-talk, 24-hour, straight daily facility in the U.S.? What was some of the major changes that you've seen over the years in radio? Well, first of all, uh is your audience thoroughly familiar with what was before we talk about afterwards? Uh, <laughs> are they are they totally familiar with what talk radio was at the beginning and how people and, and what we thought about talk radio when we first initiated it in 1960? 
Did anybody ask that question, or are you familiar with that? Well, we're, we're a little bit familiar on that, but from your perspective, explain that to us, because uh, I've, I've done various research, I've educated the audience here and there, but from, from your perspective of all these years of radio, uh, when, when you guys put talk radio into place, what was some of the, uh, some of the ideas? And, 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 and give us a little bit of a history lesson here, George. Well, first of all, I joined KABC Television in 19... I'm an old F. Okay, I'm 85 now. (laughs) But I was a young puppy uh, uh, going to UCLA, and then I became a page uh, on the paid staff at NBC while I was was doing some student, uh, student teaching to become a school teacher. To make a long story short... Uh, I didn't become a school teacher. I stayed at NBC. Somebody said, if you're going to be in the sales department, you better go to Palm Springs uh, and get an education. I did. I sold some spots at Palm Springs for six months, went back to L.A. I was the first salesperson for FM in Los Angeles because it was unheard of in, in, 19, <clears throat> in 1957. I guess after after I went to school, 1957 was unheard of FM. And to make a long story short, I uh, I moved over there to to uh, to KABC, which was still doing network shows, network television shows, um, uh, the Breakfast Club, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, Ben Hoberman, my boss, said, you know, WOR in um, in New York and KMOX in St. Louis. They have all got a little bit of talk, and we've had a little bit of WABC. So we're going to start the first all-talk station in 1960. And so I, as a salesperson, because I was a salesperson there for five years, I said, what the heck is talk? He said, that's where we're not going to play any music. We're going to just have personalities, uh, and then uh, we'll have uh, some listeners. We'll attach some phone calls. And technologically, we'll be able to talk to the listeners. So we hired some early personalities, uh, some of which were Joe Pine, who was the first personality on the air who said, go gargle with razor blades. And that <laughs> yes, was a, that was, yes. That was a terrible thing for anybody to say on the air. But to make a long story short, we had Pamela Mason, who was the wife of uh, a very famous actor many years ago, James Mason. Yes. And she was on the air, and Myron Bennett, and we had a various, various uh, uh, assortment of personalities. And as a salesperson, I said, I mean, how are you going to attract an audience, and what good is is a radio station that doesn't play music? Uh, and who's going to listen? Well, we found out that people who listened to the radio station heard what they they were listening to and that was a big difference between music stations because there's a lot of young people that that listen to music stations but they're not not hearing it they have it on in the background they're talking to their friends they're driving in a car not listening you must if you're going to listen to talk radio you must listen and that's the big big commercial advantage of talk radio, we found out very quickly that even though he didn't have a large circulation, and in the radio business the term is cum, C-U-M-E, cum, yes, cumulative, yes. that means how many, what's the circulation. We didn't have very many people listening in the early 60s, but the people that did listen, they were very responsive to our commercial uh, personalities because they were hearing the commercial. If I got on top of a building and yelled Coca-Cola, people might have heard a sound, but they may not have been listening. So there's a lot of difference, and I don't want to get into it here, but there's a lot of difference between listening and hearing. We can hear a lot of sounds, but listening is where you're paying attention, and the, the, uh, the real golden... The golden tool in talk radio is listening, hearing the commercial, and loyalty to the personalities. Because people love, love to uh, to be, be love to believe the commercial that is being read to them. 
And when some personality endorses the spot, says, I use this, I drive this car, I wear these shoes, I buy my groceries at this store, then they pass that commercial believability from them on down to the listener. And that's the difference between a commercial that's, that's pre-recorded and one that's endorsed by a personality. So very slowly through the years from 1960 to about 1970, we started attracting uh, a, a large audience because people were getting tired of music. They were getting tired of rock and roll. They were getting tired. They just wanted something different. And so through the years, the, 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 uh, the format uh, advanced to the point that now there are thousands of talk radio stations all over the country Every major radio uh, city, every major city, major town has a talk station. At one time, they had three or four. But right now, because of the, um, uh, the breakdown of, uh, of, of communication, in other words, the diversification of communication that now allows us to have cell phones, Twitter accounts, uh, uh, Facebook accounts, there's all the social media that's come in and tore into uh, into commercial AM and FM. Now, when FM first came in, most of the advertising agency didn't believe that 49 percent of the population listened to FM. I got thrown out of an advertising agency once because one of the advertising media directors said, "I'll get out of here." Who the heck believes that that many people listen to FM? And at that time, maybe they had 25%, and I kind of lied a little bit. So uh, by the time the 70s came around, indeed, the percentage of people listening to FM had increased and increased and increased to the point that uh, the AM, uh, uh, that AM radio, uh, had diminished in the size of their audience, and FM radio had increased theirs. But nevertheless, through the years, and that was your first question, is how has it changed? Yes. Well, it changed because now that you know we have uh, very few uh, big personalities. Rush Limbaugh still has about five or six hundred radio stations on his network, and so there are fewer talk radio. Uh, people, but there are longer networks. The Salem Radio Network, I still manage Dennis Prager on the Salem Radio Network, which is about 300 stations. And there's uh, Michael Savage, and there's oh, probably uh, a couple dozen of uh, major networks. And then the local markets around the country still uh, have their own little personalities who talk about their town and what's going on in their city. So talk radio is far from dead. It's the most powerful radio medium in terms of selling product because of what I talked to you before. People listen, people hear, and then people buy. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here uh, via the uh, magic of Skype. And uh, George is uh, an amazing, amazing guy. George Green with us today. He has been called the father of talk radio. And uh, we just simply didn't have enough time last week to chat with him about his colorful career. So we've got him back with us today from Palm Springs. And uh, George retired a few years ago as president of KABC Talk Radio in Los Angeles, where he spent 38 years in broadcast casting at that station now um what do you make of uh the way that some personalities such as uh a, a gentleman you might be aware of or familiar with um tom lycus who has went to the internet and uh and done talk radio on online um what what, what do you think of that 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 talk radio has kind of evolved into becoming part in, internet radio now well, let me back you up a minute. Uh, are you saying you're broadcasting from Palm Springs? No, we are. We we are calling you from Palm Springs. From from what I oh, okay, understand. yeah, that, that's where <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm located here in Palm Springs. Yes, you're Kansas. Yes, yes. You're, uh, you're Kansas man. Yes, indeed. So, yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, but the uh, interesting mention of Tom Likas. Yes, uh, I managed two radio stations in Los Angeles. One was KABC. And one uh, we bought, uh, I was 
responsible for buying uh, the uh, one of Gene Autry, who had uh, uh, a chain of radio stations, Golden West Radio. I bought KMPC from Golden West. Gene Autry, if you remember the old cowboy. Yes. Well, he had died, and his wife uh, uh, took over. And so they sold, they were selling the group of stations, so I bought KMPC. And KMPC, I turned KMPC into a talk station and hired Tom Likas because Tom Likas was was the guy who would, he he was the late day Joe Pine, but Tom Likas would insult everybody, including me. And I remember (laughs) one day I was sitting in my office and I was monitoring Tom Likas, okay? He was on uh, KFI, another radio station. Yes, That's yes, right. I hired him. And I remember clearly, oh, he's on KLSX, excuse me. And I remember monitoring him, and Tom Likas embarrassed the hell out of me by, he said on the air, he said, look, we, uh, we know everybody's listening, including George Green's probably listening in his office to find out whether I'm going to insult somebody or not. <laughs> Well, I was, and I slammed the, <laughs> slammed the radio shut. But uh, Tom was, was and is uh, a very controversial person. Uh, listeners love controversy. They love people who tell it as it is. Tom does that. And uh, Tom, uh, Tom has a great reputation for... Uh, for, uh, for, for challenging somebody one-on-one and is not afraid to use any kind of language. Uh, he stops short of, of fulfilling and using the F word, but he, uh, he, he says everything else, and he, uh, he gets ratings. Now, him moving to the Internet, uh, well, first of all, he's got a pretty good, pretty good chunk of audience. He has yes. a mailing list of over 300,000 people that have been communicating uh, to him. And so he easily took his 300,000. He says, look, I'm going over to the Internet, and here's how you can get me. And so the Internet has a, a, world, uh, a world signal. You can, you can hear him any place. So it isn't just one city. It's the, world's, uh, the world is his oyster, so to speak. So anybody on the Internet can catch his show. And he's been extremely successful because he owns his own Internet channel. Yes, yes. We've got uh, George Green with us today. He retired a few years ago as president of KABC Talk Radio in Los Angeles. And uh, the station broadcast the L.A. Dodgers for many years. George was invited by many times to spring training in Vero Beach, Florida, and met the greats in baseball, including Ben Scully, Tommy Lasorda, etc. Tell me about uh, the, the Dodgers and radio, because uh, the Dodgers, especially in Los Angeles the last couple of years, have had a... An interesting time with with, with their television provider. Um, you obviously worked on the radio side of things. Uh, d- tell us about your relationship with the Dodgers. Oh boy, you've just touched a uh, touched a nerve. Before I do, I don't want you to ever forget the fact that I uh, I've got fourteen books that I want people to go. All yes, the, eleven yes. books, three others. We'll get to that later. Oh, we're but, gonna we're gonna get to I mean, that. Yeah. Well, uh, don't forget that. That's important to me. But yes. the Dodgers, I have a pillow that I'm staring at right now. My dog is on my chair uh, next to me in my office. But I'll tell you what the pillow says. The pillow says, this marriage, and I was married for 42 years, this marriage interrupted by baseball. So <laughs> in uh, 1974, KFI had had the Dodgers since they came into Los Angeles in 1958, they played their first game at the Memorial Coliseum, and then they were on KFI at the time, and they stayed on KFI until 1974. My boss, Ben Hoberman, uh, came in as manager, uh, and then he met with uh, Peter O'Malley. And Peter O'Malley had just gone through a dialogue with KFI where KFI refused to carry the Dodgers spring training games. And our ratings, we were kind of near the bottom of the pile. We had just started talk radio. And KFI insisted 
on uh, on not broadcasting KFI's games live during the day. They want to relegate their games to nighttime or weekends. And Ben said to the manager at KFI, no, uh, we, uh, uh, well, it was Peter O'Malley who said to the manager at KFI, we don't want the games at night or on weekends. We want you to broadcast them when they are live. And they said no. Peter said yes. Then Peter said, well, goodbye, KFI. And, and we, uh, we heard about that and rushed over to uh, Peter and signed a first-year contract in 1974. And by us getting the Dodgers, it took us from, from 20th in the market to number one. So it it was the greatest single change in broadcasting history that adding one feature, the Los Angeles Dodgers, which was loved by everybody because there were no baseball, uh, there was no television games in 1974 because Walter O'Malley, Peter O'Malley's father, uh, Walter O'Malley didn't believe that television was going to help. He felt that if people watched television, they wouldn't be listening to radio and they wouldn't come to the ball game. most of all. They'd be home uh, watching television. And just the opposite happened because people, as you know, if you go to a baseball game, people got a radio uh, in their ear while they're at the ball game. So we, uh, we benefited by KFI's stupidity. And we picked up the Dodgers and put put us up in near the top of the ladder. For all the years that I was at KABC, we were either number one, two, or three for uh, from 1974 to 1996 when I retired from ABC. But I was at the ball game three days a week. I went down to Vero Beach every year as a guest of the Dodgers. Peter O'Malley invited me to spend a week with uh, the Dodgers. I've got two World Series rings uh, hanging on my wall, one from 1981 and 1988 World Series. Uh, I was part of the team literally because I was with them all the time. And Peter, Peter gave me a World Series ring uh, that I, I cherish, an eight, uh, two World Series rings. And right below that, uh, those two rings, are uh, uh, 10 baseballs that are hung up alongside it, a baseball cap uh, saying world champion. And I'm looking at my picture now. There's a picture of Tommy Lasorda and myself and a picture of the greatest, <laughs> of my best guest that I ever had to the ball game. Ball games through the years, I might have had 100 different guests. Joe DiMaggio is a picture of uh, myself with him. Uh, sitting in a box, and I remember uh, <laughs> one of the funniest stories of all about Joe DiMaggio. Um, he and I were at the ball game that day that I took the picture, and you know the way they have these Diamond Vision screens at a ball game—a great big, yes. huge screen, yes. Mitsubishi screen on—and <clears throat> they uh, the camera uh, shifted to us. And the announcer, Vince Scully, said, oh, there's George, there's George Green with very famous Joe DiMaggio. Well, the next day, I got a telephone call from a friend of mine. said, George, I was at the ball game last night. I was sitting down in the grandstand there, and up came your picture on Mitsubishi with Joe DiMaggio. And the guy next to me looked up at the picture at the Mitsubishi, and he said to me, he says, Look up, look up there, look at that picture. There's the guy that, ma that uh, married Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> so, uh, I had a lot of great experiences with some wonderful people, wonderful guests, uh, traveling with the team uh, quite often, especially at Vero Beach. Ross Porter is, uh, was a major announcer right alongside Vin Scully, and I yes. managed Ross Porter for about six years, managed his career. And I'm still friends with Tom Lasorda, who still wears the uh, Dodger uniform, Dodger blue. Yeah. Still friends with Steve Garvey, who played ball for the Dodgers. And uh, some of the greatest memories in my life are uh, have been spent with the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
speaking with George Green today. He joins us here on our big broadcast, and uh, it is an amazing career that he has had. He was uh, at the helm of KABC Talk Radio in Los Angeles. He spent 38 years in broadcasting. Um, we just mentioned the thing about the Dodgers, and uh, we're, we're going to be talking about in, in our next segment here with George about uh, – when he retired, he reinvented himself as an author and penning 14 books. Before we get to that, um, my final question on, on your talk radio career is, you mentioned when when you guys started to, to produce talk radio and put talk radio together that you wanted to have no music and, and, and things of that nature. When did in, when did bumper music and, and, and some of these things come in to talk radio? Because uh, I know Rush Limbaugh does it and... Uh, many others now do it. Glenn Beck, Alex Jones, even Tom Likas. When, when did bumper music become a big part of talk radio? Well, I'm not sure it's a big part. Are you talking about the little musical intros yes, that uh, yes. most personalities have? Yes, indeed. Yes, the little music intros. No, uh, yeah, uh, well, I here again, if it's any more than uh, 10 seconds, uh, I'm unaware of it. Uh, maybe some of the new talk radio uh, talent around the country play a lot more. But we uh, we always had a musical intro, a little one. It kind of lightens up the thing, and, and uh, what it's, it, it is is identification music for a given program. That personality will play the same intro, a bumper music, so to speak, if that's what you mean. Yeah. And then the listener would know, that it's the Tom Likas show, or it's the John Jones show, or the Jim Lowe show. Yeah, is the music becomes identified with the talent, so it gets your attention. If you're doing something else, if you're gardening, all of a sudden you hear this music. If the radio is on the gar- you know, on while you're gardening or doing something else, all of a sudden you hear Jim Lowe's introduction. Wow, Jim's on the air. No more gardening. I'm going to go listen. <laughs> so that's probably the prime reason for bumper music is uh, to identify the talent that's on the air and get their attention. Well, uh, we've got a great guest with us today, and uh, George Green joins us here on our big program. And uh, George retired a few years ago as president of KABC Talk Radio in Los Angeles. He's been 38 years in broadcasting at that station. He reinvented himself fairly recently. He penned 14 books, 11 in the children's field. He's also written about famous people he's met in, a, uh, in, in an amazing, amazing book. It's called Spotlight. And uh, tell us a little bit about your books, because 14 books and 11 in the children's field, that is absolutely amazing, George. Well, uh, first of all, I'll start with the children's book, then I'll, I'll end up telling you about Out of the Spotlight. Yeah. Because that's a very special book. But I, uh, I was a, um, I didn't immediately go into broadcasting because I went to UCLA and I wanted to be a school teacher, a fourth grade elementary school teacher. And so I became a page at NBC giving tickets out uh, on the street to to uh, oh, m- most of your older senior citizens would remember Queen. Will, I, will you be Queen for the day? <laughs> uh, that was uh, one of the uh, uh, sh- uh, t- one of the shows that was on the air. But nevertheless, I was going to be a, a school teacher, and then I didn't become one. I went into the broadcasting business, had a great career with ABC running a great radio station. Retired in 1996. And became a talent manager, and I've uh, just got through managing uh, Leon. K- uh, well, I still manage Motorman, who's on a lot of stations, and Larry Elder, uh, and uh, oh, a lot of other personalities, um, probably a dozen of them. But the idea of my children's books were here again was kind of a uh, a look back at uh, the the stories that I told my kid X and seven. And now there are 50. But there were about animals who can't do what they're supposed to do. You think they would could do. Fred, the dog who can't bark, you know, uh, ends up as the strongest little cub and helps other little animals all around. Softy, the bird who can't fly, uh, and she, it's a cute little cartoon, 
book, and uh, Softy uh, flunks out of uh, flying school because she still can't fly, and she ends up with a beautiful voice. All our characters have other assets, which is the name of the game is that all our books are about animals who have other other qualities, like Kathy the cow who can't moo, but she has the sweetest milk around, and they sell her milk at at a fair. You know, and then I went fishing one day, and I, uh, I got a long story about that, and it's called Fluky, the fish who couldn't be caught. And then there is Harry, the horse with no hope. And that's a really interesting story about a horse that was attacked by a mountain lion, had no hope. They, they thought the horse was going to die. A friend of mine rehabilitated Harry the horse, and now she rides Harry the horse, and Harry, Harry didn't have any hope until she was given a lot of love by Kathy. So uh, I've got Perky the pig, who, uh, who, did, who this is the pig who didn't like being dirty, and uh, she advises all the other pigs to get out of the mud. And the moral of that story, the bottom line, obviously, is uh, for parents to say you should be clean. So there's at the end of every book there are fun facts about each of the animals. So you can you can see some wonderful illustrations that have been done by uh, 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 my illustrator in Indonesia, an editor in South Africa, and a book designer in Serbia. They're beautifully illustrated books. Cost about ten dollars a book. Ten or ten ten dollars and fifty cents a book, and you can go to Amazon uh, and ask for George Green's books, and all the books are on my website www.georgegreen.net. You can see the books, you can buy them, you can enjoy them, and then you can uh, you can look at my other uh, wonderful book called Out of the Spotlight, and here's a uh, 400 page well it was now it's down to 250 page yes. about if you're over 50 on your audience and if you've got a talk station people would remember pat boone you know and he uh, i interviewed pat boone i interviewed artie johnson from laughing i interviewed Catherine ross who is the motion picture star of the graduate monty hall pulitzer prize Bloody winner gene heller Interviewed Mitch Kupchak of the Lakers and Fred Clare of the Dodgers, Tommy Sore of the Dodgers. I interviewed Michael Dukakis, who ran for president. Michael yes. Reagan is a good friend of mine, the son of, of Ronald Reagan. Peter Uberoth, who did the Olympics in 84. Frank Sinatra's wife, Barbara Sinatra. And Sid Caesar, John Wooden. Sid dozens, dozens of other people I know that you'll recognize them, and they're all part of this book called Out of the Spotlight. That is amazing. George Green with us today. We're going to be getting to uh, our next segment here in a few moments. We've got uh, our, our, our next guest patiently waiting on the line, but uh, we're talking with George Green. Now, uh, w w with, this, um, with this Spotlight book, um, what, was, what was the writing process and, and being able to put that whole thing together? What, what was that like for you? By the way, it's called Out of the Spotlight. Out of the, the Spotlight, book. Because yeah, yes, indeed. Because people who are no longer in the spotlight, yes. like myself, who was in the spotlight at one time in my life and, and are no longer, all 55 of my guests are all people who are very famous, but the spotlight went down. And the question that I asked myself when writing it, well, what happens when you're when the spotlight is on you, you're running a big company business-wise, and now you're no longer with them, how do you spend your life? Do you look back? The answer is no. You look ahead. And that's what this book is all about, is how, how, how other people, famous people, business people, and personalities, how do they handle themselves when they fall out of the spotlight or when you go off the air, and what do you do when you lose your job and then you're doing something else? Do you look back at what you were as a broadcaster, or do you look straight ahead at something new? It's it's an amazing process. Now, now, George, uh, with this book, um, what do you want readers to take away from your writing? Well, I just hope they understand that I'm just an ordinary guy that has had uh, a lot of experiences. I happen to be gifted 
in the area, and it's a new gift, by the way, because I was always in sales. I was a professional salesperson when I was 12 years old, sold everything from peanuts and popcorn and up and down the stands of baseball parks. You know, I've sold jewelry on the streets. I've sold newspapers on the streets. I have been the ball boy on top of a stadium here catching baseballs when they were hit. I was a clubhouse boy when I was 14, cleaning up all the the mess that professional athletes do in their, in their locker rooms uh, in minor league. Uh, I was never afraid to get my hands dirty, never afraid to work. I had to work. There was no money in the family at all. Uh, my father was a barber, m- making hardly any money, and... I had to earn my own money, uh, went in the service, and came back out and got back on the street selling. So uh, why I'm not different than anybody. I just found that other than selling, I had an ability to write. And when I was managing KBC for all those years, I was writing editorials uh, to a million people. We had a million people listening to KBC every week, and I would talk to them about uh, shopping in a grocery store or respect for a policeman or a fireman or respect for for the community. I would talk about police actions. I'd talk about political things going on. I mean, it was just life itself. And life is very interesting to me. I, I'm just an ordinary guy. I never never tried to look look like I was perched on top of of uh, of a hill or something talking down to my people because I am one of those people and I'm just uh, I like people who are honest and down to earth and say what they want to say and mean what they say and uh, nothing special about me other than the fact uh, I like writing well George I appreciate you making time for us today thanks for being on the broadcast thank you for coming on and talking about your books and Talking to us about your legendary talk radio career, my friend. I appreciate it. Well, it's nice of you to call, and I hope your listeners go to Amazon and uh, buy a book or two because uh, most of the proceeds are going to children's hospitals anyhow. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, George. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. George Green joining us on the old Skype audio, and uh, we're going to take a uh, brief time out, about 30 seconds, and uh, then we're going to come back with Jay Izzo here on iHeartRadio. If you get lots of spam emails, you've probably wondered, how did all these people get my email address? Most websites and apps require a working email to register for no real reason other than to sell your email address to spammers. What's the solution? A temporary email address from emailondeck.com. It's quick, easy, and free. Use a temporary email for whatever you want and keep your inbox secure and free of spam. Visit emailondeck.com. Emailondeck.com. Yes, indeed, it is iHeartRadio, AM, FM, 247.com, tune in, iTunes, all that fun stuff. We're going to get to Jay Izzo here in just a few moments, joining us this week here on our special edition here on AM, FM, 247.com, and of course, iHeartRadio. And uh, also, he joins us uh, each and every week on our lineup media presentation and uh, lineupmedia.fm and, of course, J-A-G-S-H-O-W.com. And Jay Izzo joins us on the telephone. And, Jay, there is a, uh, there's a lot going on in the world of the old social media. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 seems, yeah. it seems that every week uh, there's all sorts of craziness. And uh, God Social Mediology is the best way to uh, dive through all the uh, all the craziness. And uh, if you go to jagshow.com, we've got our Audible link up there, and uh, take advantage and hear, uh, as Jay likes to say it, hear him read his book with his golden tones. <laughs> I love that. I love that. How are you, my friend? Pretty good, actually. Now. 
the uh, the social media star of the week uh, is 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 always yeah. an interesting uh, an interesting catch. Who do you have for us this week? Well, the young man's name is Bryce Lacey. He is a 19-year-old student currently at Sam Houston State. And uh, while he was home with his father, I guess over spring break, his early spring break, his father's name is Charles, by the way, they were looking through some pictures of his dad, Charles, some of his Vietnam War pictures. And as they were looking through some of the Vietnam War pictures, this one other person kept cropping up, and his name was Kermit Powers, and evidently, Charles Lacey and Kermit Powers were great friends during the Vietnam War. Well, they lost touch some 40 years ago um, after they had left the Vietnam War. So Bryce took the picture of him and his father while they were in Vietnam, and he posted it up to Twitter and just asked people to please retweet if anybody knew who this guy was, where he was, and where he might be, hoping that you know, eventually the picture might show up to the right person. Well, after all these retweets, all of a sudden some government officials, professionals, even not officials, but professionals, got involved about where this guy might be. And eventually, through Facebook and everything else, eventually Facebook, this guy, Kermit Powers, contacts young Bryce, 19-year-old Bryce Lacey, and verifies that he was actually Kermit Powers, the friend of Charles Lacey during Vietnam. And it's a really cool story because these two friends get to see each other via a Skype call and get to talk to each other and catch up after 40 years of not seeing each other. And it is uh, an amazingly cool story, and I love it when really good stories happen on social media because there's really three stars. Bryce, first of all, is the first star because he was able to make this happen. But I've got to, I have to credit also the people who he didn't even know that really took the ball and really retweeted out the information so that this could happen. And then I think the third star is social media because what we saw, what we witnessed, is that because of social media, the world is small enough that even somebody who's currently living in another country, the world was small enough through social media that these two people could come in contact with each other. So it's a very cool story. That is a really cool story. We've got Jay in with us today. He joins us live here on our Lineup Media presentation, lineupmedia.fm. And, of course, J-A-G-S-H-O-W.com. And listeners are invited to send their pick for social media blunder, pick, or tip to www.socialmediology.com. Select an input. We'll receive a free copy of God's Social Mediology. Now, what is the social media screw-up of the week, my friend? <laughs> Well, it's been in the news every day uh, for the last few days, and it has cost United Airlines, after this incident happened, cost them over $600 million. And that is the United Airlines gaffe of dragging this doctor through the aisles uh, of an airplane because they asked him to disembark and he did not want to and actually had said, uh, you're going to have to remove me because I'm not moving. And so, of course, they called security. They removed the guy. And, of course, people have cameras everywhere. And so people are filming this, shooting pictures, filming. This guy being dragged out. He's bloodied. He's, he's bruised. He's beat up. Well, that's bad as it is, right, because all this gets thrown to social media. But then it gets worse because what does the fearless leader of United Airlines say And he, as it gets posted out on social media? He says, and I quote, This is an upsetting event to all of us here at United. I apologize for having to reaccommodate these customers. Our team is moving with a sense of urgency to work with the authorities and conduct our own detailed review of what happened. We are also reaching out to this passenger to talk directly to him and further address and resolve the situation. Okay, so you cannot do this, Oscar Munoz, CEO of United Airlines. You cannot say that. We have seen the video, dude. It's been posted all over social media. 
dude, you just need to apologize. You just need to say, we screwed the pooch here. We're, we're, we, we're idiots. We should have never done this. And by the way, I have a solution. I had a solution to this, James, right? Because he then apologizes, but it's too late because now they got trolled. Their stock took a $600 million hit, still taking a hit. The doctor who, it, this guy was a doctor, by the way, who got drugged through the aisles. This guy, his attorney came out in the Wall Street Journal today, is now, has, was in the hospital, had, they're saying, concussion, broken nose, and he's going to, had lost two front teeth, and he's going through plastic surgery. I'm going to tell you right now, James Lowe, Jiggy Jaguar, <laughs> the man that I love in the middle of this great country of ours, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to cost United Airlines over a billion dollars. That's right. It's going to cost them a billion, more than a billion, and it could be as much as $1.5 billion. It, this thing is so massively huge, and I could have solved it for them, brother. I could have. If they'd asked me, it was a real simple solution, but because these corporations sometimes major on the minors and minor on the majors, they screwed it up. James, here's how this thing could have been resolved. You ready? Okay, go. Check this out. Go. What you do is you get on the intercom, ladies and gentlemen. We seem to have a little bit of an issue with the plane. And because we want to keep our passengers safe, we're please asking everybody to please take their bags and, and remove yourself from the plane so that we could check this out further. Then when you get everybody out into the concourse, you start letting people back one at a time, and you don't let the guy back on the plane. Now if he throws a conniption fit, guess what? Your security, the guy looks like an idiot, and you don't. This could have been so easily resolved, it could have been so avoided, and they screwed it up. And that's what happened, and it got all over social media, and they are they look like an absolute train wreck, and they are a train wreck because they screwed it up. And, dude, what else can you say? This is, gonna, this is not going to end, and it's not going to end well. No. No, it is not. It is uh, Jay Izzo. He's with us today. He joins us live here in our lineup media presentation, lineupmedia.fm, and of course, J-A-G-S-H-W.com. And uh, talking with Jay Izzo today here on our big broadcast, and uh, Got Social Mediology is available for sale through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at your local bookstore. What's the social media tip of the week? Well, you know, I, I was talking about this. I was at the gym today, and I was talking about this with one of the guys that uh, I train alongside. We don't train together, but we train alongside each other for a little bit. And I was talking to him, and I said, you know, the truth of the matter is you always have to assume you're on camera. I don't care where you're at. You just, you just have to assume that you are being videoed or videotaped. Every the, the cameras that we have on our phones today are so good and so clear, and some of them are low-light cameras. I, I hate being the person that says Big Brother is watching, but the truth of the matter is you just have to be completely aware. And, and James, look, I have, made, I have made my share of mistakes, and I have. And, I'm, I mean, I've done stupid like anyone else has done stupid. And I, I did something, I had something happen to me about three years ago that I, I was so thankful because I went ballistic uh, over something so stupid at a restaurant that if somebody had been videotaping it, it would have been an embarrassment. And I'm so glad I did it. And it taught me a really, and it, that taught me a really huge lesson because I am now, like, literally, if you pour hot coffee on me at a restaurant, I will not complain. I will sit there and just take it because I am not going to be that guy who's going to be show up on a Twitter feed because of being stupid like that. So uh, I just tell people you need to uh, be very, very conscious of the fact that you're being watched and everything that you do is online, and it can cost you your job. It can cost you your career. It can cost you your livelihood. It can cost you your family. It can cost you a number of things that you're not prepared for in terms of the cost. So just be aware of it, and that's my tip.
We've got Jay Izzo with us today. He joins us live to read more helpful articles from Jay. Check out www.socialmediology.com. Now, uh, what, what, what's basically the, uh, the social media resource of the week, my friend? Yeah, I like, I'll tell you something. I really like business2community.com. It's business, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S, the number two, and then community.com. They call themselves B number 2C. But business2community.com is a website that truly is an aggregate of a number of articles that relate to anything about business but and how it affects the lives of people. I love it because as a guy who's a consumer analyst and loves consumer psychology, I, I love it because they really talk about how consumers are interacting with businesses and also what they do online in terms of not just social media but on the web. And so I am a really, really big fan of Business 2 Community, and that is business, the number two, community.com. And I really suggest that people really check that out. And by the way, when we do these, when I do these resources, I am not doing these resources because I'm getting anything from any of these people. None of these people give me anything. And I tell you right now, they're not giving James a dime either. I am literally picking these resources because I find them to be really valuable resources to have really valuable information that I believe can be helpful to you, the listener, because I use them, not because I'm getting paid. I'm not an endorsement of any of these. These are the things that I use that I really like. So uh, please understand, this is a totally unbiased view of business, the number two community.com. I think you'll really enjoy it. We've got Jay Izzo with us today. And, uh, Jay, any, any, any other tips for us? Any, anything else out there? Yeah, you, you know, I, I do. You know, I, I know that we've been doing this show, show now, I think, for over, you and I have been together for almost over a year, I think. Yes, I think it's over yes, a year now. Yes. And, um, you know, you've undergone a lot of changes, and so there's a couple things. I want people to really know that you got to download the Jag Show app on your iPhone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.